How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the 12th episode of the Zoopcast. I'm Adam alongside Louie and Josh, as always. And we're getting close. It's the, the season is right around the corner. We're like, from the day we're recording this, we're 10 days away. Um, so stuff is materializing. It's very exciting. Real exciting time. Um, we've got a lot of, we got a, a decent amount of sense stuff to cover. But before we do that, there, I'd say probably the biggest well, one of the biggest kind of news pieces that came out in the NHL the last week or so is a, a couple signings from the Canucks, um, which have implications on this Kachuk thing, which, yes, it's still happening, even though I called it last episode that it was going to be done by the next episode, which is clearly wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Josh but, and I both disagreed on that. Yes, but, uh... <laughs> but oh well. Um, but yeah, Vancouver locks up two huge pieces, which were... They had been lingering for a while. Um, Pedersen and Hughes. Pedersen gets a three-year contract and Hughes got six. I think the AAV was quite similar. It's like seven and a three quarters or something for each person. 7.75 right? for Hughes and I yeah. think 7.35 for Pedersen. Sure, I there believe. you go. So uh, both of them come in below eight mil. Um, obviously, Hughes gets a little more term. Um, now, you know, as Sens fans, we've talked about this before on this show, that the one of the only things that made the Kachuk thing less embarrassing was the fact that Vancouver was screwing it up so bad with these two guys. And, and now, you know, <laughs> we can't really use this anymore <laughs> because they handily got both of these guys done, like, lightning quick after stuff started to ramp up about all oh, this, is the negotiations going bad and everything like that. Um, so Josh, I'll ask you, um, do you like both of these contracts for Vancouver? And do you think that uh, maybe this will speed things along with, with Brady's negotiations, hopefully? Um, in terms of the contracts, from a personal standpoint, I love it because I drafted Pedersen in fantasy. <laughs> um, there you go. I was really, I was like my whole team, I had him and JT Miller. So my team was really hinging on him signing and making that line go all together. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if you're a Canucks fan and you're seeing like your best player, but I, I'd say far and away best player in Pedersen, yeah, is only signed for three years, and then he he can take a qualifying offer and go to free agency. I'd be a bit scared, right? Like Quinn Hughes, six years. I think it yeah eats up one year of free agency, and then he's a UFA. And Hughes had a pretty down year last year, especially defensively. Big nose dive, yeah. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see if that's just a little bit of a slump and he can bounce back. But if he, that's who he is consistently, that deal's not a huge steal, and like especially at a six-year term. But I, I absolutely love Elias Pettersson. I think like even on a bridge deal, that's not a bad contract. Although obviously you want to lock up your best player long term. Um, and as for what it means for Kachuk, I don't know how comparable it is. I mean, obviously Quinn Hughes is a defenseman, so it's not really comparable at all. And then Pettersson's a center. And if we're being honest, he's a much, much better player. Um, right. I think 
Pedersen's what he just got on a three-year bridge is close to what Kachuk would get on a seven or eight-year deal. So like what he should maybe not necessarily what he yeah, would well, get, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I'll specify yeah. that. So it's not very comparable, but the one thing that you can compare is those were the three last restricted free agents, <laughs> and two yeah. of them are gone. So now there's one once, left. <laughs> yep. Yeah, once again, As we said earlier, ten days changes. left. Yep. Yeah, ten days left. We'll see what happens. I don't think they've they haven't technically announced the two. There's technically two other RFAs that haven't been announced yet, like Golashev and Bellows, but that's Islander stuff. Can we so... not? Can we not compare Kachuk to them? <laughs> yeah, Kachuk and Kiefer Bellows, man, neck and neck. Anyway, that's Lou just being him, not announcing stuff for the Islanders. Yeah. So I'm pretty yeah. sure they are signed. Just contract terms haven't been fully official. Well, I mean, either way, you know, Kachuk is the last, like, significant RFA that is still here. Yes. And, you know, I think a lot of, I mean, we're obviously a lot of fans are frustrated and they're very warranted that they're frustrated. I don't really understand why people are surprised that this happened because, like, what did you think was, like, really, what did you think was going to happen? Like, I thought the Batherson contract was a really nice surprise at the time. I didn't think that was going to happen that quickly or at that number. And I think that kind of gave a lot of people a lot of hope that like, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna bang these out like one after another and it's gonna be quick and easy. Um, this has not been quick and it has not been easy and we're still here. So I think people are, I don't wanna say panicking, but, but people are very, they're a little upset and they're frustrated that this is taking so long. I don't think Brady Kachuk is gonna hold out like William Nylander did. I just don't think that's kind of, like he's gonna, he's he wants to play. I'm sure he does. And he like because we've talked about this. Like, oh, if they need to sign him long term, like a you know bridge deal wouldn't be that great. I'll just sign him for something at this point. Honestly, like like give the fans some sort of win. Like there are so many people that I've seen that are you know they want to like buy tickets and go to games, but it's all dependent on this guy being on the team. So here's, I here's really the question: Would you rather him sign? three years tonight right after we're done filming this episode or you know he misses the first two weeks of the season but we get him locked up seven or eight years yeah it's a fair question and i, I mean obviously i i would say wait two weeks give the seven or eight years but we just don't know that that's what's going to happen right i also don't know the terms on that like how high the AV would be. yeah yeah of course but i'm just saying you know like just hypothetically he signs today doesn't mean it's a good thing right like he could be headed right towards free agency if they were to finish a deal today and also who who said that it was pierre lebrun who said that i think kachuk wanted their camp wanted 8.4 north of 8.4 north of 8.4 which uh, i mean let's be honest that is that is an overpay no matter how you swing oh, massive. it. massive i mean yeah. like, like i i just don't understand what basis they have for offering that kind of money sveshnikov is the biggest comparable He's probably better than Kachuk. Yes. And he's got 7.75 on a huge long-term contract. You cannot, in my opinion, you can't reasonably, if you're Kachuk's camp, you can't reasonably ask for more than that, right? I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, and like some people were pointing towards Kaprasov saying, oh, he's only played like 50 games in the league and he got 9 million. But that's Kirill Kaprasov. He was what, like a point per game last year for Minnesota? Yeah, something like that. And he's dominated the KHL forever. And the only other real comparable I've seen other people come up with in favor of Kachuk asking for a lot is Kotkin Yemi, but that was the first successful offer sheet in like 10 years more. Mm. And he was specifically overpaid so that he could actually be acquired. So those aren't real comparables. Those are unicorn cases that 
should not be used as comparables. No, no I agree. And it's, that's what, I think that's the reason a lot of people are frustrated. It's like the number really should be there more or less. Like it, it, they pretty much like all these other signings have like sketched it out for them on what the contract should be. And they just can't do it. Obviously Keith is probably a factor, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. I just, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm still of the opinion. It's going to like, it's going to sign, but it's just like, you kind of want it to get done here. Cause like having, not having him to start the season is a real, like kind of, you know, kick in the pants to the fans who are getting so excited. And then your captain is not even there, right? I mean, we might as well call him the captain mm -hmm. at this point. But. Yeah, but like, even trying to look optimistically at things, let's say it does drag on a little bit. If it does, let's say the Suns do well at the beginning of the season, say Formanton or Stutzla stays on the first line, then Brady loses probably a little bit of leverage. Yeah. Maybe he wants to get time before this keeps going on. He likes to see the team succeed. That probably brings down the AAV in the end. Yeah. If, and even if he does sign a bridge deal, it's not really the end of the world because a lot of people are banking on him increasing his production and, you know, rounding out into a first line, an actual first line left winger. But honestly, we haven't seen a crazy amount of production or progression from Kachuk. He's been kind of the same player in his first three years in the NHL. And that's still a good player, right? Like, that's still a good player. Yeah, but, like, that's not the kind of guy you give 8x8 eight eight to, right? No. You're banking on – if you're giving him 8x8, eight eight, you're banking on some improvement in some areas of the game, right? Which, yeah. like you said, hasn't really been there yet. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but who knows, man? With the bridge, you kind of get to mitigate the risks of him not increasing his production. Yeah. Which there are signs that he might not, but then again, we don't know. And But you also run the risk of – maybe he just explodes in these three years or whatever the bridge deal is. And now you got to give him even more than what, uh, you know, what you wanted originally. Brady doesn't really strike me as the kind of player where he would explode offensively and command that much. So we'll see. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, all I know is I hate talking about this and I hate that we've had to talk about this for like <laughs> two and a half months. So I just want them to get it done. <laughs> I really don't care what it is yeah. from a fan perspective. I just want them on the team. Um, we'll we'll see what this next. I'm not going to make any predictions because every time I do, it's wrong. So I give up. Uh, enough about Kachuk. God, anything else, please. So we'll move on. Oh yeah, a very special shout out on this Zoobcast episode. It was Zoob's birthday yesterday. And, no time to be alive. Oh my god, we were. I was just like taken back almost because this is the first time that the Sens collectively, as a fan base, have celebrated Zub's birthday. Because remember, the season didn't start until like January last year. Yeah, mm -hmm. so didn't get to you know, no, but everybody wasn't all there to celebrate his birthday. Now here we are. Um, Zub's birthday it was a great day. He started. It was really funny. I don't know. Maybe people, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Zub on Instagram started yeah. a live video by accident. Well, I joined as soon as it started. I got the yeah, notification so on I. Instagram and I was like, oh, it's time. And I was like, there's no way this is happening right now. I was expecting it to like pull out a shot. So he sounded like a huge party with the boys, like Connor Brown, Sarah like super, you know, slosh. Like, but it was a completely black screen with like what, you know, kind of sounded like dishes in the background. Like he was like doing his dishes or something. <laughs> 40 and all the comments like, everybody joined all the comments were like zoo like let's go like happy birthday buddy you know everyone was freaking out and then he just ended it <laughs> 40 seconds i think it was a it was a complete accident uh but it was still quite funny 
So I hope that we hope that Zub had a good birthday. Hope his teammates wished him a happy birthday because this podcast, if you can't tell by the name, probably could not have happened without him. So we send a heartfelt happy birthday to Artem Zub. Um, and he had a pretty nice little pre-birthday yeah. present. Yeah. I was going to say, he. everybody's been begging for this, uh, sense fans, of Zub in the shootout. Because DJ Smith last year, he teased it a bunch, right? DJ, like he was like, Zub is our best guy in the shootout. And then he never used him in the shootout. And Zub's first break or first NHL goal is a breakaway. So he knew it was coming. <laughs> he, he lines them up. They played the halves preseason. They won the game. And then they go to a shootout because they do that in the preseason. Zub is first up. And he is like smile on his face. Like the bench looks absolutely hyped. And he goes in, pulls like this really like kind of wacky forehand move and scores and then he is like everybody's going crazy for him it's hilarious you could tell he was super happy too oh he was so pumped he wanted that so bad and i i honestly like why why like why wouldn't you put him out in the regular season in a shootout right he's 100 percent. he's never missed uh so hopefully we see we see more zoob in the shootout um but you know the on that topic the sands have been playing preseason games the lineups have been like completely different every game um Josh, maybe you could talk about this a bit. Who do you think they've played? I think four preseason games so far uh, as the time we're recording this is they have another one tonight, like an hour. Um, They made their cuts today of the guys that are still up because there's a couple of them that are like, okay, I'm not sure why these, you know, might've made it uh, a little bit unexpectedly, but who do you, you know, who do you really like who's, who's still up and, and who are you a little bit surprised that got sent down earlier today or yesterday? Um, guys who I'm glad are still up, <laughs> not necessarily surprised, but I'm glad they haven't sent down Eric Branstrom, even though it doesn't look <laughs> like he's going to start the season in the NHL. Like looking at the lines that they've made today, it looks pretty similar to what you'd expect opening night to look like minus Kachuk and the guy taking Kachuk's spot, obviously Formington's up on the top line. Someone has to play Formington's spot on the fourth line and that's Andrew Agazino. <laughs> We talked about him as a possible, you know, top six piece for Belleville, but he could also be a good depth piece for the Sens. I've heard he's looked pretty good so far, you know, just in a depth role. Obviously, he's, he's never going to average 15 minutes a night for the Sens, barring some catastrophic injuries. <laughs> yeah. But I think our top nine was, you know, pretty locked up to begin with. Not that it's a game-breaking top nine, but just in the fact that we knew who was going to play there. So it's kind of hard to to impress to you know add on to that and impress a lot um but other than that i'm not too sure i just so i just really hope eric branster makes opening night roster (laughs) yeah it was funny because we were talking about this a little before the show they released their 23-man roster for the game tonight against the leafs and eric branster we were looking it's like eric branster's not on here we're like what's going on like can't see eric branch and then she like go down a page to like the extra players <laughs> and he's the only defenseman there and then the forwards it's like tyranny is there which is kind of weird because i thought they liked him it was like tyranny parker kelly like logan shaw and yeah and bishop the only player left to have participated in rookie camp is shane pinto yeah and it's interesting that he's playing with stutzel and connor brown because it was supposed to be Tierney's spot, but it's a question of, is he just playing there because Tierney's getting the day off? 
or are they actually giving him a chance to fill that role and then they'll push Tierney down? Because you'd think if Shane Pinto was, you know, given set line mates, he'd be playing with them in the preseason to build chemistry. Yeah. But if you're yeah. giving him a shot there, it's maybe because you've seen the Chris Tierney experiment as the head coach and you're like, okay, this isn't working out. Let's put Shane Pinto in there. So well, I'm very excited to see that line play tonight. I'm definitely yeah. going to keep a close eye on that because um, I remember Stitzel playing with Tierney and Brown for a bit last year. And if I remember correctly, their course was under 30%. A lot of the time they did that, Jeez. their expected goals weren't much better. So, you know, Stitzel needs a guy who's going to go in and win puck battles and get the puck to the front of the net. Shane Pinto's a guy who's going to do that. So I really hope that that line can stick. And Pinto has been fantastic in this preseason. And it, it, even mm-hmm. D, like DJ Smith has, has talked about it, right? He said the other day, like, he's been our best player in training camp, I think is, is what he said, right? So the fact that he's going like out of his way kind of to say that is, is got to be a good sign. I think Pinto, because how many times have the Sens talked about this, right? Where they're like, you have to win a job at a camp. And I think finally, a young guy is actually winning a job at a camp and it's Pinto. And I think he's going to be the second line center. Like it, it, everything is trending that way, right? That he's going to be the second line center. I think what's happening is he's learned from the mis- big mistake he made last year of just sitting Artem Zub mm-hmm. in favor of some guys who weren't quite as good on the on the D, on the blue line. Yeah. And he's kind of just like, you know what? Like we don't have expectations going into this season. The fans are back in the you know in the rink. They want to watch the young guys. People aren't paying $40 to come watch Chris Tierney play hockey. No offense, right? Not that he's not an NHL player. It's just you're going in there to watch the Shane Pintos. Obviously, guys want to watch Stutzel for the first time, but other young players that are part of this rebuild are also there to, you know, that's what the fans are there for. So seeing Shane Pinto in the top six along, hopefully, Kachuk and then Norris, Batherson, and Stutzel is just going to be really exciting. Yeah, you want to see the setup to the contending team, not guys who are probably yeah. going to be gone by the end of the season, like Tierney, because their contract is ending. Well, don't jinx it. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, but of course, you know, you know, if the Sens are contending, obviously Chris Tierney is a depth piece. He's not yeah. going to be the second line center if yeah. they are contending. They could put him there while they're pretending to contend, but it's not. It's never going to work. I don't think he signed Del Zotto if that's the case. Two years. Del yeah, Zotto. that's what I don't get. Good At God. least they split up him and Zaitsev for tonight. It's going to be Dozato holding. Well, Zaitsev's not playing, right? That's 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 an interesting one for me. Zaitsev. Him and Brandstrom are the two defensemen not playing tonight. So that are on the roster. Hear me out. They have. What if they? What if they healthy Brand? What if? Or uh, what if they healthy Zaitsev for a bit this year? Can you imagine? I don't think it's ever. He's not playing tonight. This is a. I don't think it's going to happen. They might just be giving him rest, which doesn't really make any sense because we haven't played since what Saturday night, which is also why I don't think we're giving Tierney a rest, right? So this could actually be a sign that you know, they might, saying Tierney step it up. Yeah, and and on Zaitsev, maybe they're they looked at a guy like Holden and they're like, this guy's actually better than Zaitsev. Yes. Well, which he obviously. But, but you know maybe management's kind of looking at that like huh <laughs> maybe we could switch something out there what what is interesting i mean obviously they have their thing the beef with Brandstrom for some reason but they really like mete i think dj smith was talking a lot about that and, and what he said was true for sure mm-hmm. yeah. his ability to break the puck out and he's a good defensive player too um, so that's good right like but it's kind not- of coming at the expense of Brandstrom, which 
I mean, yeah. I, I mean, take... you, you're you're playing a 23 year old waiver pickup over the guy you traded your best right winger for, who's a year younger and needs development even more. I mean, I, I like Mete, and I think he has a spot, you know, in the top six in the future. I'd just rather, if it was, you know, I'd rather both play, but if it was between one or the other, I think Brandstrom needs that spot more. Yeah, it's fair. But I, I also, like, you can't take Mete out. Like, what, no, I he agree. Has, he hasn't done anything, but I do know what you're saying. Like, like there's neither, no reason, yeah. yeah, there's no reason why Brandstrom should not be playing. Um, yeah. Like, it seems like almost you know, perfect to have this left side of Shabbat, Brandstrom and, Brandstrom and Mete. Mete. And then your right side is Zub, Holden, and then like Zaitsev or Delzato or Josh Brown. Or Brown, right? yeah. Yeah. So so we'll see what they do. One guy who's still here um, is Tyler Ennis, who is on his PTO. And we were talking like, we were just talking about how there's not that many guys, you know, spots left, it seems, like in the top nine at all, or, or even on the fourth line, especially when Kachuk gets back. Is Tyler Ennis going to make the team? Because he's been, he's around for like a while here. Like he's 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 doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere. Um, I like Tyler Ennis. I think he's a he plays a, you know, he's a great forward checker and he'll you know he's he's a little bit like kind of like a water bug in the offensive zone. He's like jumping from place to place and I, I really like the way he plays. Oh, yeah, totally. Like he's he's super elusive, super effective along the boards down low in the offensive zone. Like he brings some sort of kind of dynamic skill we don't really have in the bottom yeah, six right now and exactly especially if you want to complement guys that are more like two-way forwards or checkers like mm-hmm. paul white watson sanford he's gonna he's gonna mix it up and add a little bit more offensive flair in the bottom six that we don't really have right now and mm. as dj likes to emphasize he's gonna also bring something to the second power play unit which would be great well that's the thing right i was gonna say what like i was gonna ask you where you think he fits and I think if you put him on your – because they really seem to like this line of Paul, White, and Sanford, I think, is, is something that – Well, tonight it's Sanford, White, and Ennis. There you go, eh? Okay. So maybe, yeah. So here's here's the way I look at it if Kachuk signs. Your top six is obviously Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzel, hopefully Pinto, and Connor Brown. So yeah. if you go with that, you then have Sanford, White, Ennis, Paul, Watson – Formanton and Tierney that's seven guys and Kelly they like for six too. spots they also like her Kelly yeah yeah he, he's injured I'm not sure how long that injury oh. is oh that's right yeah you're right oh yeah I like Parker Kelly but I think especially with the fact that I bl- I'm 95 century can be sent down I wouldn't be opposed to him being an AHL guy instead of in that mix just because Gonna end up being a healthy scratch too, just because he's not the kind of guy who absolutely needs reps to, you know, yeah. flourish his offensive game or anything. He's a checking forward. He is what yeah. he is. Yeah. You can only develop that so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, because but what's the deal, right? Is there a taxi squad? I don't think so. Just for goalies, I think. Just for goalies. I okay. think it's yeah. So does that mean Gustafson yeah. is? Yeah. So I think they can carry three goalie? goalies. Well, I hope it's you'd hope it's Forsberg. I think Forsberg's but. backing up. It seems like he is. Yeah, I think so too. Gustafson's probably going to be starting or yeah. splitting or so guarding. Yay. But I would like to see Gustafson get the backup job. Uh, but at the same time, I think Forsberg is a fine backup. I have no problem with Forsberg being the backup. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, I just, but I do agree that, you know, from a development perspective, Gustafson should probably get that job. Um, but anyway, I mean, 
goalies are weird. Who knows? What are you going to do? You can never really develop them properly. No one knows how. Um, <laughs> but we'll leave it at that. So we'll see. I'm, so I'm interested to see what happens with that S. I, I think he's going to stay. And it'll be, it'll, I think it'll get like a one-year Leagueman deal, which is fine. Or, or they're still under the floor, by the way, for those who don't know. So, so they could overpay, quote-unquote, Tyler Ennis and give him like one and a half or whatever and then be above the floor. Well, I um, think they're only a couple hundred thousand under. Yeah. So they don't need – I think they just give him a contract and all of yeah, a sudden they're sure. over. Sure. The current roster they have, I think they're just with everyone that's currently on the roster – they're 1.15 million under. Yeah, that's that's what I thought okay. too. So you give them one and a half and then whatever. Who cares? Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I like Ennis. I know a lot of people like Ennis. I know DJ. DJ likes Ennis. So you love that's to all see. you need really. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to something that is related to the cuts and related to contracts. Um, who would have guessed, right, that the first player that gets signed to an ELC out of the 21 draft for the Sens is Zach Ostovchuk. I wouldn't have guessed. Um, but they, they, he, so first he gets a DLC. It's a three year entry level contract. He's going to be playing in, in Vancouver this year in the WHL. Um, they love him. They absolutely love this guy. DJ Smith could not stop talking about how good Zach Ostovchuk was. All traded camp. They're like, they, he was like, I remember he goes up, he's like, man, like, what a job by Trent, man. Like, what a job by the Skins. Like, this guy is unreal. Like, I love Zach Ostapchuk. <laughs> I was like, what? And, like, he was fine. Like, he was good. I, yeah, I was watching the games. He unless he was there. really good in practice. It's not like I would have been like, wow, this guy's insane, you know? I mean, I, th- I think it's the combination of size and speed that is like, yeah. oh, my God, we have something here. Just send him back to the W, see how he can grow the rest of his game. But I'm sure DJ Smith just loves that combo of size and speed. All right, so, yeah, we will continue to monitor – Zach Ostapchuk's progress, <laughs> and clearly, I mean, clearly, there, it looks like there's a spot for him down the road, however many years that is. Because DJ, as long as DJ's here, he'll probably be on a team. So uh, we'll see how he does in Vancouver this year, and we will, we will see how that saga progresses. Uh, we still have time to kill here, and not much else sense related going on. So we will gonna do a little bit of a little bit of over under action. So these are gonna be like split decision over-unders. I haven't, we haven't thought of these beforehand because we're not very good at planning these episodes, as you can tell. So on like off the top of my head, I'll say an over-under for a specific player. I'll let Louie and Josh fight it out on what they think, if it will be over or if it will be under. And we'll see what... Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll look back on this at the end of the season, see how good we did. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll see. Maybe we we break. Maybe we get like some, you know, crazy good record. And go perfect, and then we're geniuses. Yeah, Brady uh, Kachuk games played over under one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Salary uh, over under eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's too easy. We'll go. So let's start. Let's start in net. Actually, we'll do a goalie first. Matt Murray needs a bounce back season, and Pierre LeBrun. On it, this was in the intermission of. I think the sense Habs game like a couple days ago. And what he said was if Matt Murray can get a nine, 10, the Sens have a good shot to make the playoffs. So that's what I will say. I will say Matt Murray save percentage over under nine, 10. You go first, Louie, unless you don't know yet. <laughs> God. I mean, I, I want to believe in Murray for this season. I don't know. He just, 
obviously it's a super small sample size, but he looked good like the one game that he played so far. He's going to play again tonight. Just I don't really see how much better this defense will be in terms of like suppressing high danger shots. That's really the That's issue, right? Thinking. Yeah, so it's he he might play very well and have a decent like goal saves above expected, but if he still faces a ton of high danger shots, his his uh, save percentage will still be pretty low. So I think I don't know it's tough. I I may go under. I think I'm gonna go under, but like very close under, like in the nine oh seven to nine oh nine range. <laughs> okay. We'll allow it. What about you, Josh? So I'm kind of there's there's two factors. Obviously, what Louis said with the <clears throat> the defense not still not being amazing, especially if we have a Delzato Zaitsev pairing, then I hammer that under any day of the week. <laughs> um, the other thing is Matt Murray. Obviously, most players say this, but he seemed so incredibly confident about how well he did this offseason. And with the way he ended last year, obviously he went down with a bit of an injury again near the end. But with how well he did in the, the handful of games after he came back, it looked pretty promising. If the Sens defense does not feature all three of Zaitsev, Delzato, and Josh Brown on a nightly basis, I will say that it's over. However, if those three guys are always in the lineup, I will say under. So Especially it's a, it, it's not a pair. Hey, yeah, it's not a straight answer. But <laughs> that's not how we do things here, clearly. <laughs> if okay, if I'm giving one final answer, I will also say under, but very close. Okay, that's yeah. fair. So and he hasn't even hit that since like he's only hit what? Like it's the highest he's had is what nine nineteen in the last four years, and he hasn't hit nine ten like in three of those four. So hey, anything can happen. Yeah. Goalies are weird. Yeah. That's exactly say. why it's hard to say exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the collective Zoomcast consensus on Matt Murray seems to be a sub 9-10, but not by much. So we'll see how that one plays out um, for the big netminder. Let's move up front here. Um, Tim Stutzel's coming off a rookie year. There were some highs and there were some not great plays, but he's got a year under his belt. Now he's got to play 82 games. And so my question for you is an over-under on points for Tim Stutzel. Does he get 50 points over or under? Louis, you go first. Oh, again, I get the honor. Um, yeah. <laughs> I knew Josh was going to defer it to you anyway. So <laughs> No, I, I have an answer. I have an answer. Oh, really? You want to oh. go then? You can go. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely saying over on this. Um, I think he's going to have I, – I, I'm predicting this. This is – adding on to the prediction he's going to have a set line mate and it's going to be pinto with connor <laughs> brown who's already on pace somewhere near 50 points last year well let me pull out the count. i mean he was on pace for 45 yeah okay there we go so that's not a huge increase and that 18 to 19 year old growth is like one of the biggest so unless connor brown anchors that line and has like a huge down year compared to what he did last year i'd I say he definitely gets 50 i don't think he's going to be a point per game or anything but like somewhere between 50 to 60 yeah that's exactly like the range that i put him in and if you look at last year like he had like top 10 percent i think in primary assists per 60 last year which very good like assist production numbers as, as an 18 i guess he was 19 he turned 19 first game of the season so i guess as a 19 year old and like his finishing last year was not really that good. And he hit so many posts and seemed to miss like so many nice chances. And obviously, as Josh said, he's only going to get better. He's going to get consistent line mates. He's going to have Connor Brown, hopefully Shane Pinto. So I, I, I'd i also say over for sure. 
So a lot of confidence. We need to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're <laughs> just copying each so. other. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that turns out. I I agree with you. I think he's gonna get more than fifty. I think he's gonna have a great year, but we'll see. One guy who had a great year last year was Connor Brown. Connor Brown scored 21 goals in 56 games, which is still crazy. That's a crazy number for Connor Brown. So here's what I'll ask you. He's playing an 82-game season this year, right? So over under the same goal total that he had, does he score 21 goals over under in an 82-game season, Connor Brown? Now I don't want to go first either again. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's obviously he's going to regress. I, I'm saying over. Over okay. 21 I'm saying goals. over, but not by much. Oh. Like, wow. Here's, here's my logic. Here's my logic. So I'm looking at 2019-20, where we didn't bat an eye at how many goals Connor Brown was scoring, right? I mean, he had 16 goals in 71 games, but he shot 3%, his, 3% below his career average. And he was on pace for 19 goals that season. So if he can do what he, you know, if he can shoot 12%, which is his career average, obviously it's a bit higher than league average, but that's his career average. If he can shoot 12 instead of nine and get the same amount of shots, especially in the top six, right? When he was in Toronto, he wasn't getting as many top six reps. So I'd say he's going to get somewhere. I don't know if he'll be a 25 goal scorer, but I think he'll be a 20 goal scorer. So we'll say like, this is so specific, but, you know, like somewhere between 21 and 25. That's an over then. We love giving yeah. just close ranges, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not even answering the question. You don't say over under. You say he's going to get between this. Oh, and no, this. no. It is an over. It is an over. <laughs> okay. It's an over. Yeah. But it's yeah, an yeah, yeah. over, but not by a ton. I would love to disagree and spice things up, but I can't. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, no, like Josh, like, nailed it pretty well like if you look at 1920 he had 16 goals in 71 games so he had what like 11 games left and he was so unlucky or maybe not unlucky his finishing was just so bad like <laughs> he had so many breakaways there's so many empty cages that he just hit posts on and he even did that still last year yep you remember so, the beginning of the year everyone was beaming him. and that was on a much worse team like yes. in 1920 and probably last year too so i think it especially if we're betting on Stutzel getting 50 points yeah, I, I'm willing to also go Connor Brown over 20 goals. That's what I was going to say, too, right? Or he's 21, playing, right? Yeah, 21. Yeah. He's going to play on a line with, obviously, Stutzel and presumably Shane Pinto, which could be a pretty deadly line. Like they're Probably going to be, be on the of... second power play unit. That's actually yeah. going to be much better than years also, past, too. Can yeah. we talk about how, if we combine the 2019-20 and 2020-21 seasons, Connor Brown has played at a 24-goal, 51-point pace between those two seasons combined. Like, that's pretty good, especially mm-hmm. considering how bad the 2019-20 Sens were. I mean, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Like, if we're yeah. just yeah. talking about Connor Brown as, like, a fringe top six guy, like, 50 points, I mean, that's that's really good. So, if he could do that again, that'd be, that'd be impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of fans would take a 50-point season from Connor Brown around, you know, this time in his career. So, we'll mm-hmm. see how he does on that line. And if he will get 21 goals, we will see. Um, we'll go to the back end here. We talk a lot on this podcast about Eric Branstrom and the peculiar case of like the Sens versus Eric Branstrom, which seems to be a weird one. Um, he does not have a certified place in the lineup by any means still. So what I will ask you is an over under on games played for Eric Branstrom. Yeah. Over under. Yeah. 
over under i'll say 45 games over or under i'm going over on that i think so i think it's i think it is if he isn't given a spot in the first couple weeks i think they're gonna realize okay so so here are the two things he's obviously not going to be scratched the first whole half of the season right well, and if he is scratched, I think if he is scratched a lot in the first half, a good amount, the Sens probably aren't going to be contending. So then at the deadline, they're probably trading some of those d- defensemen, whether that's Delzotter or Holden. And that frees up a spot similar to what they did last year, where he, Wenskid Branson was gone and um, Mike Riley was gone. He was in the lineup every night and he was, a side note, he was doing very well. Um, yeah. So I think, especially in the second half, he's going to play almost every game. Then it comes down to how many he plays in the first half. I think he will get over 45. Especially with like how many injuries you're probably going to get on the back end with all these physical shutdown players, right? <laughs> Quotation marks. But um, <laughs> I mean, I guess they are. It's just how effective they can actually be in those roles. But yeah, I, I really want to bet on Brandstrom. It's just, it seems like this team kind of has just a big reluctance to play him. And I, it's almost like now they have Mete, so it's like, oh, we, well, we have our short defenseman. We have that role locked up. But they don't play the same kind of game. So, like, they bring different elements. And it's just, especially if this team gets off to, like, a slow start, maybe they'll look back to the end of last year where they were like, hmm, we went 9-2-1 and one here when we had Mete and when we had uh, when we had Brandstrom in the lineup. So, yeah, I'm also going to say over. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it means, I mean, great minds think alike, right? So either you'll get all of these correct or you'll get all of them wrong and you won't have any, you know, you do, you fall as a team or you win as a team. That's how we'll look at it. Um, but yeah, Branstrom over 45 games. I hope, I mean, I hope so. It would be nice to see him play a little more than 45 games, um, but we'll see how that goes. We'll, we'll stay on D here. This one is a little less optimistic, but Nikita Zaitsev in the last two years has been minus eight and minus 13. So what I ask you this year is an over under on plus minus for Nikita Zaitsev minus 10 over like above that or below that minus 10. Louis, it's your turn to go first. Yeah, I'll go first. (laughs) Sure. Um, You said he was what? Minus eight, minus 13 the last two years. Yeah, playing with Shabbat though. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna go. The the over under was minus ten. I think I'm gonna go under. So Just worse than minus worse? ten. Yeah, yes. Worse than minus ten. Worse than minus ten. So it's just because yeah, he did play with Shabbat, and now it seems like he's gonna play, unless they revert back to the other pairings. But I really hope that doesn't happen. And that they don't just put him back with Shabbat. They seemed to be pretty bullish on getting Shabbat an actual partner in Zub or trying other stuff out. And they want to try Zaitsev with other guys, like possibly Delzato. And I don't know how much leeway they'll give to that pair and how much time they'll have to, like, you know, gel and figure things out before you realize you need to break them up if that happens. But it's just, especially since if they separate him and DJ said he really wants him in a shutdown role that's not going to bode well for his plus minus on a team that's not necessarily a very good contender already, right? So I'm just going to say under for Zaitsev. Josh? <sighs> Let's see. Where to, where to start? This is such a hypothetical because... That is the point. If you, 
if you know <laughs> but in the sense that if he plays with Del Zotto, it's under easily. I mean, he could be minus 25 if he plays with Del Zotto the whole year. I mean, who else is he going to play the, with that's really going to bring If he's it on the third pair with, like, Victor Mete, I could see him being closer to zero. If that's, that's a true. third pair only. Like, if they're playing low competition, because, I mean, Zaitsev's, I mean, obviously the Leafs were better, but in his last two seasons with the Leafs, he was a plus. Obviously, they're a good team, but he was playing lower in the lineup because they acknowledged that he wasn't great, which the Sens should do relatively soon. Um, if he plays a Del Zotto on the second pair, easily he's minus 25. If he plays on the third pair with Mete, which my prediction is that's what happens, he ends up playing the lower role, I'll say he's going to do better so that we can disagree. So he'll be better than minus 10 this year. I like that's it. your your official official disagreement on the Zootcast. First yeah. Hey, if that's actually the bottom pairing, and then you get like Brands from Holden as the second pair with Shabatsu first pair, I think I think that's ideal D pairs, right? I, I do, so. but I don't see them not playing Del Zotto with how much money. They yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially a two-year term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But first disagreement, man, we're gonna have to have like a counseling session after this. And it's on a plus minus, which is the most useless stat ever. <laughs> yeah. <it's> so <laughs> random. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for applauding my question. Um, but we'll move on to another stat that's probably a little more useful. The Senators last year, as a team, had a power play percentage of about 15.5, which was under the really league good. average. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> under the league average of, I think it was like 20%, almost like 19 and a bit. Um, they, I think their power play will be a little better this year, especially if they abandon the draw pass in the neutral zone. But... I'll leave that up for you to discuss the Senators power play percentage over under. I'm going to set it at 17.5% over under on the power play. Go for it. I'm going to slam the over. Really? Over slam over. It. Yes, definitely. Just because now you have. Like, you have pretty much, on for a bunch, yeah, exactly. You probably don't have tyranny chipping in every once in a while. Um, hmm. No offense. If Kachuk is signed, if if Kachuk is signed, you have Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, Stutzel, Shabbat. Like if you stack your first power, play, and they had all of last year good. to work together already, right? Yeah, but that but that's the thing. They had all of last year, and it was still fifteen percent on power play. To be fair, I, that I, also gets dragged down by the second unit, which is likely going to get better. Also, maybe Tyler Ennis's time on the second unit too. Connor you Brown, know. hopefully Brandstrom instead of Delzato. Because that would that would help oh it a lot, dude. Brandstrom is so good on the this, PP. This is a hot take. This may be a hot take for you guys. I don't know if it is. If Brandstrom and Shabbat are both in the lineup, I would probably the, have yeah. Brandstrom on the first power play unit. I agree. I totally Shabbat. agree. Yes. Yep. Look at us right back he, to agreeing the way, again. <laughs> the way he moves around the blue line and just creates lanes and sees passes, especially to the to the you know, both guys on the half walls, is very very impressive, and it's unfortunate that he's getting buried so he doesn't have a chance to show that but when Shabal went down with an injury near the end of the season last year he did so well on the power play mm-hmm. and he was playing after the trade deadline Brandstrom played at a near 50 point pace yeah like in the out of all defensemen in the league I thought he had, he was like 11th in points per 60 last year which is an insane stat sure but yeah if it is yeah that's pretty pretty good yeah. So yeah, over pretty much, pretty All significantly. Right, well, I guess that was a bad over under by me, but at least you <laughs> and I'll leave it. We'll do one more here. We'll last one before we end the episode. This is an all-encompassing one. Um, obviously, so last year the Sens won twenty-three games in fifty-six. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm going to set a, on a over under for wins this season. Okay. I'm going to set it at, oh boy, I got to think about this one for a sec here. 82 games. Do they win 40 games over under? I'm going to go under. Under. Really? Yeah. That was yeah. a bad. That was a bad question, Adam. No, yeah, Adam, come on. What, dude? Are you picking over? We want your I, answer now. This no, is your turn. No, I don't. I'm gonna say I don't think I'm gonna pick over. I don't know if I'm gonna pick. I think it's gonna be around forty. You think about like the points distribution here. If they win forty games, that's eighty points for wins. Maybe they lose in a shootout or overtime, like in eight or nine times. Eighty-nine points. points realistically is close to a ninety-point team. Yeah, which would not months. make which would not make the playoffs. In, in no, the but that's a pretty decent record. Especially for since we're in the Atlantic, we're gonna play so many good teams. So I often. think you know, no matter even if even if Kachuk signs today, he's gonna struggle to start a bit. He hasn't had any training camp. Yeah. So, so what would you set? A bit. What would you set as an over under then for for close, somewhere closer to thirty five wins? Okay, because I was thinking about thirty five yeah. too, but if you go thirty five. That's now 35, 37, and 10, then you're at 80 points. That's that's realistic, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like you, so you're not so it's an under, but it's not 100 points. Yeah, well, the difference between 35 and 40 wins is 10 points in the state. I mean, think about think about five games there, five games that could be won by blind luck. You never know. Like maybe some the whole team's injured for the other guys, maybe they're starting goalie, (laughs) you know, gets COVID. And then they have to Let's play just the play chair. backups the entire season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I mean, the Sens have been doing that for like four years. So we've gotten pretty good at it, too. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to have to start playing real goalies. They're going to be like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. about this. Yeah. So I guess I guess we go under then. But well, yeah, I, I agree with Josh's range, closer to 35. Well, I guess I ended that one with a stinker. Oh, well. The other ones, I thought the other ones were okay. I thought the other ones were pretty good. Yeah. The over-unders. Don't want to pat myself on the back. That was, that was right on the spot. We did not. I mean, the that. only disagreement we had was on the uh, the side stuff plus minus. Yeah, that's right. The most important one of the. Yeah, of that's the totally not super situational. And no, you know. no, of course not. Come on, don't give me that. Uh, but with that, we will say goodbye for this week, and I will say no prediction about the Kachuk contract talks for the next episode. None. Zero. I have no idea what will happen, and See, I will not comment on it. I feel like I kind of would have agreed with you if you would have said, this week I think he signs, because now it's getting really close. No, stop, Lewis. <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. I've been victim of this for weeks now. Weeks I've been doing this. Don't I, fall into the trap. I really thought he was going to sign on his birthday. Like, I was so convinced. <laughs> Maybe he should have signed. He should have signed on Zoot's birthday. That would have been the all-timer. God, yeah. Anyway. Um, we'll see what happens with that and hopefully we will see you guys next time thank you so much for watching and have a wonderful week bye everybody